Good day. We here at the TFA Global Department of Podcasting Incorporated Limited wish to issue the following statement to the listeners of the Trans Advocate Podcast. <clears throat> the media programming initiative of the TFA Global Department of Podcasting Incorporated Limited regrets to inform you that the management subcommittee of the Permanent Standing Task Force of the Ad Hoc Assembly of Media Programming Initiatives of the TFA Global Department of Podcasting Incorporated Limited has voted to inform our dear listeners that beginning three months ago, there will be a slight three-month delay in programming due to an emergency meeting of the audio subcommittee of the Editing Bureau of the Media Programming Initiative of the TFA Global Department of Podcasting Incorporated Limited. Thank you. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Okay, so are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. This thing. Oh, I oh. think I remember. It's hey, everybody, this is Alexis, and this is the Train Advocate Podcast. And today we have with us one of our regulars. Rob Mack. And we're really honored to have with us a current Texas Legislative House member. Yes. John Rosenthal. Yes. He's been with us before, but not after he actually won his election. Right. Last time I was here as a candidate. Aha. So now I'm actually a sitting and, and representative. And so we, we didn't kill him off last time. Aha. I guess we'll get a shot this time. <laughs> Aha. And then no Kristen. She's still on break. So we still miss her. So am I... Am I have you had a sitting representative on this Trans Advocate podcast before? Can I say I'm the first one? I think you're probably the first one. I think you're the first one. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully not the last. You know. Well, it depends. I, I am a Not all of them are as cool as John. Well, we can have our favorites. <laughs> but <laughs> we. Yeah, you aren't listening to this, are you, John? <laughs> just, just ignore those comments. <laughs> we can have our favorites. So I think. Uh, I think maybe some people have seen John with us. You walked with us in the Pride Parade twice now, right? That's right. Two years in a row. What's that been like? Oh, that is so much fun. It's a blast. And I, I come with my family. Uh, we're, we're advocates. We're allies and we're supporters. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun to do it. Pride Parade is a lot of love, a lot of festivity. And this year especially, I felt like... Um, it was just nice to have a little color and a little glitter. Things have been so dark in the news and everything lately. <laughs> right. It was just yeah. nice to have some levity. It's hard to explain the parade experience. I mean, it, it's totally different than most people think. Because, you know, you start and pretty soon it's over and you're like, wow, uh, what just happened? <laughs> right. Goes by like a blur, yep. a party blur. So, so let's see, you, you spent untold hours working on our behalf in the legislature. <laughs> Does that sound like a good lead-in? It's a good lead-in. So, so, so what good things happen? We did have some good things happen in this legislature. So though, for those that um, don't know me from before, now I'm, I represent a part of Northwest Houston. Uh, I'm, I, may, I believe I'm the first Democrat ever to be elected from there, so not to be overly partisan, but it shows that there's a shift in electorate. There's That's a shift a in... Um, in the way that the political winds are blowing in Texas. And I think the fact that quite a few seats changed hands, mm -hmm. changed the, the, woke some people up, mm -hmm. had them paying attention. And we were able to have some conversations, I think, um, this time in the legislature that would not have been approachable in the past, you know, because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's good because neither side's right 100% of the time. Well, that's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I know people are like, oh, this party's always right or that party's always right. And I'm sitting sort of in the middle as an independent saying, no, not really. <laughs> you know? No, well, I agree with everybody that. Everybody has their downsides and their upsides and they're good people and they're, they're not so good people. And so, you know, I, I've never understood the whole bit of uh, not negotiating or discussing or trying to work through things. Right. And in uh, like in previous legislatures, the last few, the majority has had a much broader majority. And so if they don't want to listen and debate, they don't really have to, you know, in that position, they can just blow through and do whatever they want. When things are shifting like this and the majority gets narrow, it's not just the fact that you've got a few more seats. It's the way that things are going. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when the electorate speaks, the legislature should listen, and they, and I think that they did. So one of the big differences everybody kept talking about was um, the tenor, the the tone of the conversation there. Everybody all talked about how civil it was and how mm. how uh, uh, 
uh, polite and the decorum was there. And there was a big emphasis on that this time. That's really so, good because some of the stuff is embarrassing, honestly, when you look at some of the new stuff on it. It can be, but but the yeah. more important part of that, it not, besides just being embarrassed, is having the space to have the debate. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's respectful and you can express your ideas, then you get to have the debate. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past... So, so what are the two it or three things? That way. You know, true. What are the two or three things the legislature did this year that you're most pleased with? Well, the first thing is the public education finance reform bill. It was uh, House Bill Three was public education finance reform, and while the end product ended up being a compromise, uh, you'll never get everything you want. And I'll talk about maybe I'll talk later about there's more to do for it. But the um, the end result of this is over $11 billion in additional funding going into our public education system in Texas. And that's partially the result of a big budget year, banner budget, also a result of uh, changing the cap on the rainy day fund that freed up $5 billion. That's a big deal. Um, that's a big deal. But the really big deal is changing some of these formulas. That the way that they calculate recapture has been changed, the tax the property tax rates were compressed. So there are other conversations around property tax reform, but House Bill 3 actually is going to reduce the property taxes of most people by a small amount. Wow. Yeah. And, and with the property tax thing, I think we're going to have to wait a year or two to see how that works because yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of things that could go wrong with the way it's applied. Yeah, I that's going to that's gonna be on my list of things that didn't go right. Okay. The Senate Bill 2 is the property tax reform. Yeah. But House Bill 3, the, the public education finance reform, does more than just change the finance but, model. It funds all-day pre-K for all qualifying students in the state, which is a huge thing. It's a big game. You know, something I talked about a lot. So I talked about putting more money in schools, raising the basic allotment, which is which is how districts are funded. Ba- schools get money based on how many full-time students that they have on average. And that's called the basic allotment. And so there's a big increase in that. Uh, the full-day pre-K, more money for certain types of special ed. Um, and then there's the school uh, safety package, which includes money for counselors, uh, 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 mental health services, stuff like that. All that's good stuff. Yeah, and counselors and mental health, to me, are way more important than a lot of people think. Um, I mean, I happen to think that that's the best way we can get a handle on some of the violence that we've been seeing. And, I agree. And get out in front of it, right? Uh, well, yeah, because you can't do anything right after it happened. <laughs> well, you can't do anything once that person has the weapon in their hand and they're in the school. The time it, it, to ad- Exactly. The, the training around learning to recognize the warning signs of this sort of thing, you know, coming up, that's the, the that's where your best investment is. Yeah, I think. Are there concerns that the school boards may not properly use these funds? I'm trying to be kind here. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there are always concerns. And, and I saw, you know, um, I saw uh, some of our school boards around the state that are more visible you know, tr- struggling with dealing, uh, uh, understanding the way the legislation was written, but actually legislation specified that an amount, a certain percentage of this increase in the basic allotment, uh, an amount of your increase in funding was required to go to teacher pay. Okay. So in four categories, the, uh, teachers, nurses, counselors, and, um, librarians, Wow. And then with some preference, you were going to give uh, preference and priority to those professionals in those four categories that have been, that are veterans that have been in the system uh, five years or more. Great. So that's a great thing. Like we were screaming about teacher page now, p- teacher pay now on, for my part, I think we should raise everybody. You need everybody at the school to make the school work, you know, from the custodians to the bus drivers so that everyone is important. It sounds like you targeted a lot with just one bill and got some of the concerns that were just completely ignored from the previous legislature. You know, I mean, Absolutely. teachers, when we were lobbying against the, um, I don't know what, like over a hundred uh, hate bills that they were doing the the year before, there were also a lot of teachers and students there um, asking for support for their teachers to get higher pay right. and lobbying for that. So it sounds like they're making up for lost time that they spent on um 
all the hate bill stuff for the yeah, trans in the bathroom. And, and, and I was really glad that that wasn't the focus of the legislature. Which is right. another good thing it's about huge. Yeah. <clears throat> It's huge. I mean, I think there was it one is. that made it through that was like. Yeah, there were, there were, there were less than two dozen filed. There was, right. there was one or two that even got debated. There's one that made it to the house floor and that ended up being watered down. Mm-hmm. Right. The, right. Uh, the so-called, you know, the, it ended up being a first amendment bill. Well, right. <laughs> and then between that last legislature and this, we we have had school violence and we have had unfortunate uh, shootings and loss. And I appreciate the not just not just like putting forth effort to consider what could be done, but actually already following through and giving funds and ad- allocating where it needs to go for mental wellness, because ultimately that can benefit a lot of people. Absolutely. And and. I guess the thing that I looked at when I was looking at the the bill that finally came through is that an awful lot of that money is going to what I would consider ability to have a good life after school Mm -hmm. type things, Mm -hmm. you know, basically better instruction, better, um, you know, libraries improve things a lot for people throughout their lives, Uh, mental health, counseling, you know, that whole bit, that's not just for like the, the, you know, day in school, that's like for the rest of your life. It is. And, and house bill three also had an emphasis on, uh, on early language learning so that kids are reading at third grade level when they get to third grade. Wow. That it show it's been shown that that's the access to all the other knowledge that sure, sure, sure. The access to all the other knowledge is, is reading. Right. And if, and if you can't do that, I, I, I think I probably shared with you that at one point in time when I had a chain of scuba diving stores, we were teaching in some of the at-risk schools. Right. And people failed our, the 12th graders were failing our sixth grade level test mm-hmm. and sort of took a step back and say, okay, let's figure out why you're failing this. It isn't hard. So well, if that's the access to learning and the kids are not reading at third grade level in third grade, that sets them behind yeah. for their entire and, and uh, school turned, experience. Yep, it right? turned out they weren't learning, they weren't reading at sixth grade level in twelfth grade. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> and it only took two weeks of tutoring to get them up to ninety percent of them reading at twelfth grade level. That's great. And and that, that's why I'm like, the, the, you know, education I think is a really big thing. And it'll it'll help a lot. That's really great. Well, so what else went right? Yeah. <laughs> so that went right. Um, it went right. The only other thing that I'm going to say before we move on is that um, the funding for this is based on uh, a big oil and gas boom that we have in West Texas right now. Okay. So that's where a lot of this budget money comes from and also taking down the uh, reducing the cap on the rainy day fund brought money into the system. Mm-hmm. there needs to be sustainable revenue for this. So without the uh, addressing right. property tax and reform. And they can't all be from property taxes. Yeah. It cannot be. No. So the state increased its share of what they're paying, but but right now we've been we've set ourselves on an unsustainable path. And so that's going to have to be addressed and that's why we need to, to keep at it. We cannot continue. let people say, "Okay, we did that last time." It's like, "Yeah, we took a step in the right direction." So- is there any move to like improve revenue from like the permanent education fund or stuff like that? Well, there's um, <laughs> so most of those things were shot down in this. That's last, what I thought. That's why I brought it up. Last election, so, so uh, gotta keep it going. Yeah, yeah we just got to keep the pressure on the yep. the the electorate spoke last time. They need to speak again, <laughs> and with the same voice, we're we're moving in the right direction. But if we let the pressure up, then um, yeah. It'll slow the impotence to you do know, that. My feeling is that having gotten something done, a lot of people are awfully encouraged and really want to push for getting everything done. I hope will. so. I hope so. It's like yeah. your, you people out there listening, your activism worked. Please keep doing that. Yep. Whatever it was, please keep doing that. Well, and even from the starting point of like, we have people who listen all around the world and you, it's so easy after a couple of terms and trying and hoping and voting or even campaigning with people or giving your own money to think that, well, we'll never get someone new in the seat, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't matter what party, but like sometimes you just need someone new, something different, something that will, you know, shift the conversation like you're saying. So even just getting in makes a makes a difference. Absolutely. And then you're actually starting off with a large amount of action. So what else did you do? <laughs> I mean, because it was a couple of days that so, like oh, Okay, let me ask open. it this way. So who won the football game? What? I did not win the football game. <laughs> I don't talk about sports. <laughs> so and this isn't sports. Okay. Yeah, it's not real sports. Okay. There's a, there's a um, 
Save I, that for the ESPYs. <clears throat> There's a legislative flag football game that's kind of a tradition at the beginning of the session. Oh. Where it's the freshmen against right. everybody else. <laughs> right. And I, um, it's funny to bring it up because I injured my leg in that game and tore a, uh, tore a tendon in my calf. M- so. Mind you, flag that's not football. funny. Yeah, flag football game. <laughs> that's yeah. not funny. That's not funny. Oh, it's not funny. That's how Texas plays flag, flag football. football. Yeah. <laughs> flag, very close to other words. But yeah, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. So I'm so funny. sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was painful. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so it's freshmen against others. Is that what it is? Yeah. So it's um, it's incumbents versus freshmen. What? And so you know, couldn't just at the play time, baseball like everyone else. We we have a freshman class. Not we had Texas. a pretty large freshman class. It was like uh, it ended up being thirty, but at the time I think there were twenty six of us. And so, and the rest of them, there's like a hundred and something. So first year talent pool is bigger, but the second thing is they have a ringer on the. <laughs> On the incumbent side, and the the ringer was Vince Young, who who. <laughs> so I'm I'm a Texas X. I'm a Longhorn fan. Vince Young was a legend at the University of Texas. Last time UT won a national championship, uh, he was the quarterback, and so. This is so Texas ridiculous. <laughs> of course, like, but but see, Texas and so football. Nice to be on the field with Vince still Young, but else to do. Yeah. On, yeah. Oh. But he's a phenomenal athlete, and none of the legislators are. Some are athletic, but none are like that. So why do you want to go back? (laughs) Well, um, so now that I've had a session in the minority, um, I I really feel for those folks who have been in the minority for a while and just like fighting the good fight, trying to make bad legislation less bad, legislation less bad, like you saw last time Mm -hmm. with all of the... Uh, hate bills, both for both for LGBTQIA uh, community and also communities of color, mm-hmm. immigrants, all that stuff, a, a lot of bad stuff. And by swinging things a little differently, I feel like we got better results this time. So one of the, the one of the things I want to go back for is for the redistricting effort. That the best chance at having a fair shot at that is to to either take the majority or be close either way, um, close to even. Uh, the other part of it is, you know, I care. I am in this because I really care about people. And one of the things that we were pushing for last time was to accept the Medicaid expansion. This is money that's already come out of our pockets and, ta- and taxes. Oh, yeah. We've already sent it to Washington. We sent it to Washington. <laughs> it would come back into the state in the form of $10 billion, $10 billion a year in, uh, in funding for to... It, to increase access to healthcare, basically. So while it's not an end-all, cure-all, $10 billion a year is nothing to sh- well, stick a sh- stick at. But it right. should also heavily reduce the amount of money we have to pay for emergency rooms for people that can't pay and all that stuff. Right. I mean, it, it, it directly goes to what you're talking about, it, yeah. ancient care and stuff like that. We mm. All right, so Texas has a dramatic issue with health, with health care, and while the country, the system in the country is broken as a whole, Texas is even more broken than any other place in the whole union. Yes. We have, so to get on a soapbox, we got the highest uninsured rate. We have the highest yep. uninsured number. Tell the highest, all the truth. We have the <laughs> highest maternal mortality rate in yeah. that country. And that's for the general population. When you start looking at women of color, that rate is doubled. So we're on a par with third world nations. Just to name regard. a few things. Keep going. Just to name a few things. And so I was pretty upset on budget night when a bunch of us progressive types stood up at the microphone, brought this amendment to require the governor to accept that expansion. And a representative from Austin named John Busey, another uh, freshman right down the hall from me, laid it out like this, talking about boom, 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 laying out startling statistics. Here's the truth. The numbers are out. The numbers are out, right. Here's the truth. More than one in four women of childbearing age in this state are uninsured. Did the governor snore while you were talking? He wasn't in the room, but um, that's rude. But I will say that uh, not only did the vote go down on party lines and they voted down the amendment, when I was running back from the microphone to get to my desk for for some reason, I felt it was important to hit the button for this myself. Um, There was a group of there were a group of uh, Republicans that I was passing, not all of them, but there were a group that were openly mocking us 
on the house floor. Hmm. And they were like, oh, not just no, but hell no on this one. And I'm thinking, y'all claim to be pro-life, and we're talking about saving lives. And we're talking right. about women and babies dying, you know, yeah. during the process of trying to propagate <laughs> their families. The part that yeah. I don't understand is it costs us nothing, really, or very little, to accept the funds. To accept the funds. So you have to spend some money to get that, but you're right. In the in the greater scheme of things, it's a small amount of money in budget terms, right? And it brings in a huge amount of of assistance. I mean, assistance. so it's probably in the we drop those digits area of the budget almost what we spend. <laughs> so here's the bottom line for me: uh, as a result of that experience, I'm going to be out on the campaign trail saying, until you have a Democratic majority in the House, you're not going to be able to pass a budget amendment like that. You're going to have Republicans vote it down on party lines. And that's $10 million a year to address access to health care. And I promise, you know, there's three of us in this room. All of us know people who have problems with access. Oh, absolutely. Well, and and yes, we know people who have problems with it. But the people who are actually in the seats, I mean, what is going to make it a problem to them? I'm not sure I understand the question. I mean, we outside of the legislature that either vote or don't vote, we deal with the problems all day long. Right. Are the people who are saying not just no, hell no, like, are they actually dealing with the problems? You mean? In their daily life? No. I mean, it's hard to imagine that they would be. So what would make it important to them? If they lose their seats. (laughs) Right. So... So for them so to go not just no, but hell no, to change the not just no, but hell no to, oh, I might actually give a damn about this topic, you'd have to say, you're going to lose your seat. That's what I'm sitting here saying is that some of them are going to lose their seats because of the yeah. vote we just took. On and, and their constituents are going to have to see and that. coming back next time, even if we're not actually in the minor- majority, if even if we don't even if Democrats are not in the majority mm-hmm. next time, if we swing a bunch more seats, that the way that folks woke up to being civil, woke up to taking care of our teachers and our public education, the next big battle cry is going to be public health. It's going to be access to health care. Thank you for walking that out because those can be very tender topics to the people who have to deal with them. To, to hear yeah. no and hell no yet again I think sometimes we get lost in the feelings versus, okay, well, what are the action steps to take to make a difference with those people who are in those seats saying those things that could have voted for these things and did not. Right. And the answer is just get them the hell out of their seats. That's it. So, um, and it may be, it is a little cynical for me to say that's one of the major factors that any politician pays attention to. Um, so last time when I was a candidate, I was like, I'm not a politician. I'm a mechanical engineer for a living. Well, you are That's now. That's what a lot of the... <laughs> so now I've yeah. won an election. I've been through a cycle. I am determined to win that seat back so I can go vote again for the Medicaid expansion and other stuff like that. I'm a politician now. Yeah. And and even if it's a cynical view, I'm, I would be concerned about anything that would, that would that take me you, out you're of You're on a committee with a bunch of I would lose my people from the rural areas of Texas. Yes. Well, both of the committee, I'm on uh, county affairs, which includes some rural members yeah. and uh, energy resources. Also, I'm on energy resources. Okay, so there's, cool. There's uh, some folks I mean, my real question is, I was just curious how those people feel about, you know, the, the uh, Medicaid money. So the people on the committees with me were not the ones who are like, oh, no, just no, but hell no. I didn't recognize any of those. Okay, I'm just curious. Because, um, cause, you know... But the rural folks, their hospitals are shutting down. Exactly. That's what I was right. about to They're get to. And it's, it's like. And there we have a couple of, you know, there's a few doctors in the house. You uh-huh. could say, right? Because I would think and, that. If and you the start- medical doctors voted against this bill, even the ones who have been in favor of it in the past. So, and, I mean, it's clear that they have um, a certain, I'm not sure what the word to use is. Party cohesion, alliance. party alliance. Uh-huh. Yeah. The party in charge, you know, I feel like uh, the way that things work behind the scenes is if you piss off the people in charge and you're not going to get anything done. Right. They take your legs out from under you. And that's just the political reality of it. Right. So it's not necessarily. I mean, one of the things I noticed. Those would be the people who are more gentle about it. Like, sorry about this. Got to go with my party. I got to take the vote. I got to take. I understand that. Yeah. 
bullies. But not just no, but hell no, those people we can just get but, rid of. But, but yeah. it, you know, not not in the House, but in the Senate this time, you know, uh, Democrats picked up enough to where nobody can be confirmed without some agreements. That's totally new. Yeah. And it was quite interesting to watch. Oh, in the Senate, you mean? Yeah, in the Senate. Oh, you're talking about the, uh, was it? Uh, the Secretary David of State. Whitley guy, <laughs> is that his name? Right. And, and, you know, my biggest thing is that. They paid a political price for that, too, but they, they showed some scur- well, courage and stood together and said, oh, yeah, not I, just no, but hell no on this guy. <laughs> I, I believe that when they started to make deals, which they did at one point in time, right. uh, that they got a, a very good message from constituents saying, you think you paid a price now. Wait till next election if yeah. you if you get if you cave if you cave on this guy probably <laughs> you know? so and and part of it was but that's that a big victory it, yeah that's a big victory for justice never mind that the guy ended up getting a raise and still working for the government you know I mean there's nothing you can do about that but <laughs> but the biggest thing was but that, at least he's not the Secretary of State right and 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 to go ahead and do the stuff they were doing before you're confirmed is a little bit naive in my opinion. <laughs> It's it's like you know if he'd waited till after he was confirmed everybody complained but that's about it but it's like you really aren't Secretary of State yet you've just been appointed <laughs> but uh, but yeah and 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 I think that's the big difference that I've seen in this legislature is that on some things they've actually had to talk back and forth in both houses right that's true and and that to me that's good I you know I I don't like it when somebody can just say we really don't care what you say goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not the way it's supposed to work. The no. system is designed to require compromise. Exactly. And you never get 100%, but you get a good portion, and then you work on the rest of it. Right. Absolutely. So the question that I had for you was, what did you gain out of being our ally, if anything? So you went into your campaign, <laughs> you walked with us, and I just, re- I just remember you sort of introducing yourself to community, and you might have been around before I knew you, don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but, but I, it was a big deal to you. Um, I met you bef- almost this time last year. I met you before the Pride Parade last year and before you were voted in, and so I just wonder what's a year's worth of allyship been for you because I think a lot of people are asked to be allies of the GLBT community, especially uh-huh. the trans community, and to not compromise on uh, historical moments where they have let the T go. And I just wonder, like, w- you know, for those people who wonder, like, what is to benefit in being an ally, what would you say? Well, the first thing, the, the first benefit is, is knowing that I'm doing what I think is right. You know, it's trans rights are human rights. All, all rights are human rights. And so having legalized that this community here, not just trans, the LGBTQIA community is one of the last bastions of legalized discrimination in the country. And it inflames me. That really sets me off. So have, I spoke out about that from the beginning and I was outspoken about that before I decided to run for office you know, in the conservative world of oil and gas engineering, there are some bigoted people walking around, believe it or not. Some. Uh, there's a few. But, you know, I, I was outspoken about those issues at that time, too. So it's just first is being right. Second, I cannot tell you the outpouring of love that I get from your community. You know, and it's pretty much all the time when folks are in the capital, here in the district, and not just the community, but the allies of the community, people that feel like I do, like this is, it's, it's rotely unfair. It's completely wrong to allow this to continue in our society. You know, we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about the cake bakers that refuse right. to bake the cakes <laughs> while, you know, I'm quite certain that the folks who support them are pretty silent about babies in cages on the border you, we need to have our priorities st- straight. Exactly. So let's mm-hmm. talk about you know human rights for for little babies and stop picking on your neighbors. <clears throat> but um, so you've heard from other allies that they're appreciative of you being an ally. Oh sure, that's yeah, important because I and I'm sure I'm sure Alexis has, but I've definitely lost a lot of friends that have you know uh, lived in Texas and couldn't handle it anymore because of the hate and the rhetoric and uh, the lack of access to ongoing care, whatever that is. Maybe it's medical, maybe it's uh, gender markers, maybe it's uh, just being able to have the right paperwork for 
having your family set up for success when you're having kids and you're yeah. not under that traditional system. So they've left Texas and, yeah, um, I believe it. And they do watch the unfortunate publicity that we still get, um, on all the hate and, and it does add up and they wonder if anything's changing. So it's, it's great to hear that there are allies that are actually out there and that they're, they're lifting you up in your representation of being an ally. And the fact that there are more of us now means that we have a stronger voice. So this was the first session ever where you have an actual, uh, LGBTQ caucus. In I the saw house, that headed by, um, uh, the chair of that caucus is, <laughs> Also a freshman, Representative Julie Johnson, who took out, you know, a Tea Party conservative. So you have an openly gay woman bringing her wife to all these functions, introduce, oh, it's my wife, doctor, you know, and, 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 you know, in my view, what popped in my head was I'm like, and the follow on to that is deal with it. So, so (laughs) not only. Well, that's a big deal. So you have an LGBT, uh, QIA political caucus in the legislature. Yeah, and it needs not, more not members in my opinion. That caucus take out a Tea Party conservative. Mm-hmm. She is also the one, and she won by ten points, so she swung a district by a mar- a monstrous margin. And she's the one who killed the, um, she killed the uh, license to discriminate bill. Right, and she's open, and she has a partner that she's bringing in public and advocating with. Right, and that's huge. It's huge. So now you know your. Uh, not just your advocates and allies, but people who are advocating for other... We see people who advocate on different positions. Of course, all the lobbyists are there. Sure. All the lobbyists Those have lobbyists. to say, yes, ma'am, Representative Johnson, you know. Aha! <laughs> so you, it just... Because you never know when you might need a vote. <laughs> that's right, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of issues that the, you know, LGBTQ plus community is pretty neutral on. <laughs> You know, so so yeah. There's some there's some things that can be swung there. Wonderful. And and, and you know, I would think that with uh, oh, like Pete Buttigieg running and running very openly, that 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 sort of changes the conversation a lot. It does, and yeah. and I think that's positive that people yeah. having things front and center makes people confront them. Absolutely. And, and yeah. uh, being in conversations with folks who maybe you didn't understand or were afraid of in the past. Sure. You sit together, you eat together, you talk together. It's like, oh, you know, they're not that bad. They're just people mm-hmm. like me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I was going to say. You right. usually find out, I don't know why this is such a problem. It doesn't seem like it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. The issue. You know? Right. And so, the mere presence brings out the people who have their problems and then you can discuss it. So back exactly. to back to what you're saying with that. So. So that Wonderful. was one of the great positive things about this session was not only do you have this caucus, but where last time you were saying there were a couple of hundred bills brought. Yes. This time there was like 20 and yeah. one of them got through. So it's a huge change. Still yeah. not, you know, still got some terrible people advancing terrible uh, ideas sure. out there out of sure. ignorance. And, but you're and talking hate, about an, but... a painful all nighter. I remember when, you know, trans in the bathroom bills were going up and we were up till 5 a.m., you know, advocating for good policy as a, as a Texas community, right. you know, for uh, allies and uh, trans people around the clock. They were out there witnessing and, and talking. And then they did the same thing for documentation. And then, the, you know, over and over again, I mean, it was just such a tiring legislature, but um, a lot of visibility came out of that for good or for bad. And a lot of uh, allyship came out of that. And a lot of connection came out of that. So we did get to see, well, well, just how many people do care about trans issues in Texas? Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> until about 5am, here's well, a few. <laughs> and the, the other thing is that a lot of businesses started figuring out that, right. You know, not having or having bad bills isn't good for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that helps, too. And, and, you know, I don't care why they're being, uh, you know, pretty much open to equality just as long as they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, and and once it gets in place, once people are become more accepting once once, like I would love to see a statewide equal rights ordinance like we had a hero ordinance that that uh, failed under miserable terms. Here under miserable terms. Yeah, uh, it was a misinformation campaign that ended up being uh, uh, victorious at the end of the day. It was a misinformation campaign that was well-funded and highly organized, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. On both sides, having some 
some some problems. So they, <laughs> I find no reason not to defend human that. rights for everybody. So and, I'd love to see that forwarded from the state level. Get rid of county or city ordinances. Just make it a law in mm-hmm. the state. You can't, can, you know, just handle that. On these I mean, wouldn't that be terms. great that that's the Texas we all live in? Like, I know we're not all in agreement in that, but if you really look at it, it comes down to some of the the things that people value the most, which is just respect. Absolutely. You know, they and respect so, people. And so forwarding the hypothetical I was just on, <clears throat> if we bring that up and we pass it, let's say some people may begrudgingly vote for because they don't want to lose their seats or right. whatever cynical reason it I is. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Once the thing passes, then it becomes part of your culture. It doesn't matter what the background for it was. And the people that are (laughs) the people that are against it, I'm convinced. Get a different job if that's not the job you want. (laughs) Go get paid some other place. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm totally convinced that the people that are against it, that are actually against it, some of them are just doing it because that's their job. Uh, The the reason they're against it is fear. Like, fear, uh, fear is born out of ignorance. Yeah, exactly, yes. and yes. and that's that's where the problem yes. comes in because it's really hard to change Back if you to can't that educate. Education that's needed, <laughs> and the reading that was missing. <laughs> exactly. And, and I do. Uh, I totally cut you off. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, I was done. Okay, great. I'm not. I, I was gonna say, and I think it is. I, I, I have a switch over here. I can awesome. fix that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I think it is progressive for Texas to. I don't want to say lead the way. I don't want to get like too ahead of it, but. Very helpful to finally give money back to the education system and and uplift the um, the mental wellness. You know, yeah, that's been absolutely. A, it's, and and the leadership that helps the mental wellness all the way around in that support system in the school system because there are multiple problems in our school system, and I think that this is this would be a great thing. And who knows, maybe we actually start to allow other places to look at maybe that's what their budget should also support. You know, um, so if we could be the leaders in that, that'd be awesome. Or if we could just be a part of that, that would be awesome. And you're, you're setting the pace, but it sounds like there's more work to be done next time. There's more work to be done on that. And I'm, I'm, since we're back to education, I'm going to talk about this long-term goal of getting rid of the star test. A lot of people. Star test. Okay. So, so let, let's talk about what that is real quick. I feel uh, like it's a discrimination test. It is. So in its current, what we do is we have standardized testing that's required and it's required to bring federal funds and that's a lot of money. So while it's popular to say, ooh, standardized testing is bad and our standardized test in Texas is really, really bad, you can't just say, all right, then get rid of it because federal funding is uh, tied to it. The state, the way that we govern our schools and the way that we direct... um, Financing to school districts depends on this test. So there's a couple of layers to unpack there to get it removed. It's not just get rid of the star test. You have Thank to replace you for it with that. something. I feel like a lot of reports are not elaborating on those right. layers. Right. You have to replace it with something useful and that fulfills the requirement. And then you have to change the way the state measures the performance of schools. It can't be just on this test when the test itself is discriminatory ineffective unreadable i could go on and on yeah i, I mean yeah. you know what one of the problems have one of the problems <laughs> with standardized testing like that is that it's easy to use that as your measurement and right. it doesn't mean it's right it doesn't mean it's good it's just easy and i i really hate it when we do stuff just because it was easy but like, is it easy in the long run? I'm talking about easy to, to use that as a you, measurement. You've got this thing in your hand. You get re- re- results are, are sent to your people and you can go, oh, well, here's some results I can and, use to judge. And you uh, could ignore everything that you should be looking at with education. <laughs> which is what we're doing, actually. Yeah. So it's... Um, is there something in there that tells them that we're doing it great? No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Not in the start no, test. Not, okay, I don't want to get that crazy. It's cra- not that okay. the test is easy, but uh, an inordinate amount of resources go into this test, and not all of that yes. is captured financially. Yes. And it's uh, because because funding is tied to it, there's this enormous emphasis on it. So the teachers feel the heat, the counselors feel the heat, mm-hmm. the students are under a tremendous amount of pressure. Absolutely, lots it of pressure. It causes a lot of emotional problems and emotional trauma for Back students, for teachers, for yeah. counselors, for everybody. And, yeah. and essentially an awful lot of teachers end up teaching to the test as opposed to the subject. 
or more not. than an awful lot. Entire school yeah. districts, entire <laughs> exactly. systems align themselves to try to perform on this test. It has gotten to a just it, it it is really hard to hear this and really picture what it's like unless you're in the situation. I uh, have a niece and nephew that are 14 years old, uh-huh. and they go to the same junior high that I went to years ago. I'm 36 now, and they have some of the same teachers. I mean, it's a, you know, and, and, but they have so much more pressure than I ever did. And they, they literally are like shell shocked and like cannot function in their everyday teaching environment in their everyday learning environment because of the ongoing constant mention and pressure of this test. Right. So and this might be besides it's, it's the gerrymandering hard. thing, this is the single <clears throat> the single biggest motivation for me to get back is because it's so intertwined and so packed in yeah. that it's gonna take a couple of actions, a couple of successive moves mm-hmm. to get it unpacked, separated, change our law around it, change our governance around mm-hmm. it. Uh, we should be lobbying our um our federal representatives about that too, because it's a federal requirement that they use this type of test. It's called a predictive test. Okay. The other type of standardized test is diagnostic testing. So those of us, you said you're in your thirties. I'm in my mid fifties. I'm gonna be fifty six pretty soon. And there's some of us older than that. This is an, yeah. This and we is used an to take like the Iowa series uh-huh. or right. the Stanford we series. We had the TOS test. Yeah. The 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 diagnostic testing that measures your, um, not your performance, like predictive tests, diagnostic test measures your uh, progress, mm-hmm. which is probably a, a more reasonable thing to measure. You could measure both, but knowing how well students well, are progressing is mm-hmm. vitally important. One of, the big, important. one of the big things that bothers me about the, the STAR test uh, since it came in is that we push it hard enough so that basically if a student doesn't do well on it, we tell them they're a failure. Even if they, even if they're testing on level, if they're in the bottom 5%, we still tell them they're a failure. Exactly. And so if I'm an eighth grade teacher and I'm going to give this test and I had a student come into my class reading at fifth grade level and I worked with them, worked with them, worked with them. And over the course of one year, now they're successfully reading at seventh grade level, which is really them, good, which is really good. I just <laughs> advanced them two years in a one year period they take the star test and they're told they fail. So that's and, a, the, and and the things that I keep hearing is they're told they're a failure. Yeah, which is worse than just failing a test. And, and and as you said, depending on where you start, you may have done really really well. Right. And not only are they a failure, they have to do extracurricular stuff at the end of the school day, which impacts the parents. It changes their whole schedule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have to pay for extra tutoring if they if they can't get the advances that they need from school, they will be held back. I mean it goes on and on. And that that goes it's an even longer list if you have uh learning if you're d- differently able in learning yeah, capacities. Absolutely. And so it's 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 incredibly frustrating to say the least, but I'm glad that uh, people are paying attention to that. So I am and it's like that's the that's my long-term goal. That's my sort of legislative lifetime mission if I could get that unpacked. Then and, and you know that will have been a success. As that'll a help a lot of parents. It'll help a lot of just that's a really layered topic if you're it a is. parent if you're you know but we talked about you know texas leading the way mm-hmm. if we did something like this in texas there's a significant <laughs> chance that the rest of the country would fall in well and it could that's change great the way we test kids in, in the united states that's yeah great. and I, I think you know you mentioned lobbying uh our congressional people shall we say yes i i think that we're coming up into a short period of time a year and a half where that lobbying might be listened to better because I think there are a lot of people scared to death that Texas may not quite be as one party as people thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And it is a federal requirement that we use a predictive test and that all the students in the state take the same test. So in from our side in state government, we could separate that from how we govern the schools and still get the government money, but it's damaging to the country as a whole that they specify this type of test which inherently is not good for all populations and then require that all populations take the same test. 
well, inherently is not good for our nation. Like it is right. like this. It's not a secret. <laughs> this is this may be an ignored fact, but we are not anywhere near the top in any country's educational, you know, standing list. So <laughs> that's an much, understatement. <laughs> I mean, you know, so you're out for something. You're out to to level up as a whole country. Like that's really amazing. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess my question is: there needs to be some way to measure progress. Yeah, you know, for students, et cetera, and yeah, I'm not against it, testing. I'm just it, against bad testing. Well, and and that's the whole thing. It it probably needs to be more complicated than here's the test everybody takes. There's that. Yeah. So I've worked with. Uh, I've actually put together a a pretty sizable what I think of as a SWAT team task force type, and it's made up of teachers, retired teachers. I have a superintendent, uh, sorry, a retired superintendent, a current assistant superintendent, testing coordinators, regional testing coordinators, and a professor of education at MIT. Wonder, wow. That's no, just... sorry, Boston University. Sorry, Boston University, not MIT. And so you're actually seriously going to try to figure out what we should do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, imagine that. What not a weird thing what to do. what we should do, but how we could exactly. do better. Exactly, that's, that's the hard part. Test in class should be a tool that helps teachers understand how children are challenged, where they're successful and where they're not. And certain types of tests are being designed now to give teachers clues in real time in the classroom as to how students process information could you imagine instead of a star test where they fill in some bubbles on a sheet and then they don't get results until three months later the children have passed on to the next teacher you give it in test kids can take it out their desk on their phones teacher that day that minute gets gets information that helps them address the student's and, and, individual needs in the next in the week class. you can be working on the problems that you need to work on the next day yeah so you're bringing it up to real time with real time technology, great results, and you're not just interested in your district; you're interested in the nation yeah. and making it more of an like updated situation. And, and, and I mean, I, the the objection that I can already hear is people saying, "Well, but then they're all going to have to have computers or phones or whatever." That's a really cheap problem. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, to have to have you know, and they don't have to be fancy tablets or anything. Exactly. But- this is something that's that's very manageable using less money than what we use now. And in fact, if someone got really creative, uh, it could probably cost Texas virtually nothing working with various computer companies. It could actually cost Texas less than what we're spending in resources on the current testing system. It could right. save us money. So it, if people wanted to follow you and uh, find you and learn more about this, where do they reach you? So I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> we just... Um, we just got a new domain, so Ooh, now you can go domain. to now you can go to johnrosenthaltx.com. Ah, and that, um, the other one was longer. <laughs> it was fewer characters, but harder to to tell people. So now it's just my name, John Rosenthal. And, and John's with J O N. J O N Rosenthal T X. Oh, freshman learning curves. Yeah, right. JohnRosenthalTX.com, and then my Facebook is also John Rosenthal T X. My my Twitter handle is John underscore Rosenthal TX, but it's kind of all uniform now. So it's nice. easy to find me. Nice. Oh, and what I should do is plug the website. If you go to JohnRosenthalTX.com, that website was created and authored at a time when there was little, literally only one person working on the campaign, so I typed virtually every word on it. <laughs> so if you, want, if you want to know what I really feel about stuff, <laughs> those are my words are on that you. website. And... Uh, a little handwritten letter from your politician. When does that ever happen anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so, so are you officially running for the next session yet? I don't know what that means because I haven't looked up the dates. Uh, yeah, I don't know when the filing deadline is, but I... I oh, it's a long way away. We're already um, talking about it. Right now, I'm, I'm actually really focused on trying to do the job. So you go through an election... And then you go spend a few months in Austin. You hang out with some other legislator colleagues. You pass some laws. You vote down some laws. Then you have a year and a half. And people say, so what do you do over the next year and a half during that period in between when you're in Austin? And that, I think, is really when a lot of the work of a legisl- of a representative gets done. So you legislate when you're in Austin. When you're here, when I'm here in the district, I want to spend my time 
with constituents. So I listen to them, hang out with them, and that enables me to represent them. I listen to what they want and then try to act on those things. Okay. Are you involved in any hearings between at the end of the legislating session or any of your... Oh, there will definitely be. So I know that this, um, the podcast we're making is going to air later, but we, uh, on July the 13th, there is a, um, there's a joint committee hearing for invited testimony on the situation at our southern border. And so sitting here today, that's actually tomorrow. I'm going to be in Austin tomorrow for that. Okay. And, and there will be that. There will also be committee hearings um, on my other committees on topics of interest during the interim. We had uh, part two of the Sandra Bland Act failed in the House. And I know that, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. that Chairman Coleman is um, wants to investigate that, look into not just the fact that the Act failed, but the stuff that went into that. So we're going to be having hearings on that. There's a situation with... Um, the rules pertaining to how county jails are required to be run and staffed. And I think we're going to have uh, hearings on that also. Oh, cool. I, I mean, I know that uh, redistricting hearings, uh, we've got some in Houston in October, and they start, I think, in September or October. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, here we go already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, during the next year and a half, I intend to, to spend time in the district and uh, we're going to do a bunch of community engagement events. We're going to encourage all of our high schools to do the voter registration activities that actually they're mandated to do. It's surprising how few high schools actually do that in the state. Uh, I think in SciFair we're pretty good about it. But I think it's fun going to high school, talk with the students, Mm -hmm. get them. uh, There's nothing better for getting them engaged than to give them. Let them know people care. They right. are humans that are being impacted by the decisions that you're making and they don't necessarily have a voice to vote. Right. So and so really I think uh, I think uh, young people are energized and more engaged than they have been in decades yep. since okay. my, you know, since the 60s, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and a lot of them seem to find it uh, as surprising that uh, they can actually vote. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, that sounds funny, but because we've done some registrations at high schools and, and they're like, so, but, so can I vote even though I'm in high school? And it's like, if you're old enough, you can vote. You're old enough and you're registered. You can vote. Fill out the card. We'll Uh, take care of it. And it's never too late to persuade the people who can vote. I mean, if you can get an iPhone, if you can get a meal paid for, for you, whatever you can do, you can get some rights. You can get your parents on board to do a lot or get their friends on board to do a lot. And I'm appreciate all the maneuvers that youth are doing to um, bring voice to themselves uh, nationwide, honestly. Yeah. Because they are impacted. And so. they're going to be more impacted than people my age are because they're, they're going to have more time to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's a point when you're like, yeah, well, I'll survive the next 10 or 15, 20 years, but they've got a long life to go right. through if things go well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And they can be better or worse. Yeah, I'm all in favor of them feeling their voice, yeah. exercise their right. And what are you doing for your self-care so that way we make a long investment in you? Uh, I'm actually not doing very good at that right now. We, uh, I've scheduled... Start off with a knee injury. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I've planned a couple of vacations and, okay. and didn't take any of them. Yeah, uh, Although real. I did take a few days off here and there, so that was, that was helpful. Good. Uh, just being back has been really good for me. When you live in Austin, when you live, you know, 150 or a couple hundred miles away from where you work, yeah. uh, I was commuting and I would stay in Austin for the week. And then some weekends I could come back, some I couldn't. Uh, so it's nice to be um, at home with my wife. I got, yeah. we have uh, rescue dogs. Oh, plus, so, you have a cool office down in your district. Yeah. I do. I have a cool office in the district <laughs> okay. over on Jones Road. And, That's cool. uh, but uh, just getting some time with my family has been good. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to uh, get to work like vocationally mm-hmm. here in the next few months. Uh, all that stuff is good. And then um, schedule should lighten up some during the heat of the summer. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, do you really believe that? <laughs> well, and if you've been following me around on Facebook and stuff, yeah. I've been pretty busy. Exactly. Right, right. You know, people people say, "Oh, you're everywhere. You're everywhere all the time." And that's where I should really shout out to my staff who have 
who just do a great job of keeping things coordinated right. and making sure you have stuff. no free time whatsoever. They're really well, good at that. Well, I'm glad no, but they care team. about me too. So they're That's they're important. they also schedule out free time. Good. So yeah. I do do put a few days here. And there. And now a word from our sponsors. Hello, Tim Connors, your candidate for U.S. Senate. Uh, isn't this Ronnie's Rolling Pizza? Well, no, this is Tim Connors, friend for the common man who still believes America is the land of opportunity. Well, I'm sorry, I must have dialed the wrong number. I'll just hang him, try again here. But <laughs> well, don't you think the government is too involved in your life? I don't know. I, I live alone. My opponents preach gun control. I believe that when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. America must have guns to protect their homes and families. I, I live in a friend's garage. Exactly. And when garages are outlawed, only outlaws will have garages. Huh? All I what, about the, pizza. what about the price of gas? Don't you think it's about time America stood up and got tough? Well, this is fascinating. I think I'll just go now. Well, how about morality and sex for sale Goodbye. and drugs and... Hello? 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 This message has been paid for by Citizens for Sensible Government. Are you listening, Treasurer? Oh. Well, but we... Yeah. You know, so it, it was a main focus for me, fighting against bigotry, discrimination, and hate. I brought, I brought a few bills that didn't make me friends with certain lobbyists of certain communities <laughs> about, about not just uh, LGBTQIA right. concerns, but discrimination in other areas, discriminatory lending practices, wow. discriminatory housing. So um, important in Texas. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, uh, having affordable housing, which ends up being a conversation about discrimination. Tough. Right. You know, yeah. We don't want that housing here or there or whatever. It's very it uh, tangled with a lot of fighting. It right. is. And did you know that certain lenders or certain apartments, I want to call out the apartment people, some of them, uh, won't rent to you if part of your income comes from government assistance. I'll right. call them out. I know they certainly will not. And I don't <laughs> care what they're saying at the end of their little waivers so or their actually, applications I've, that I they make you pay for to... and then they take your money. It's a know, little right? out of control, guys, with not a lot of accountability. I brought a bill to outlaw that practice. <laughs> Good. That was killed in committee. Well, well so, Okay, but it, but it went to committee. It, it got assigned. So it got discussed a minute or two. Not everything gets passed off the bat. Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's, con- conventional wisdom has always been that it takes three years to get something through the texas legislature three 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 sessions sessions. yeah which is six years i've got yeah i've got stuff like that going and i've got people advise me on those things too yeah good good and and you know that that's one of those good or bad things that it takes a while sometimes it's a good idea that it takes a while i mean i i do feel like it shouldn't be easy to pass laws and it should be even less easy to unpass laws and that's probably (laughs) appropriate yeah. I mean, one of the things I look at when we're talking about equality and discrimination and, and that, I think the general Texas attitude is changing. And, and you see that by the fact that that wasn't the main focus of the legislature this year. Right. Absolutely. And it didn't need to be because there weren't all of these anti-everything bills coming up. And and Thank people. Goodness. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was afraid that it was going to happen again. And we were just watching and watching. It's like. The bills aren't showing up. Yeah, there weren't a lot of them filed. <laughs> you know, and, and half of the ones that were filed were ridiculous on their face, yeah. which is, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll always be people doing that. But, uh, but I really think that that attitude in general has changed because it, it was successfully fought a couple years ago. And then all of a sudden people are like, why do I care so much about this? I don't really care if somebody buys a house or whatever. <laughs> And, and, you know, there's still yeah. people who do, but in, most of them In my view, don't. forwarding discrimination is not a good place to be spending your political capital no. right now. No. Not I, with the way things are going. And, and, and I think it's really good that that's the case. I agree. <laughs> you know, because it, it, a few years ago, that was the thing you had to do. And it's like, no, we're going to make this really painful for you if we can. <laughs> and that has us be in the situation that we're in with these other areas being neglected. That was my whole thing about, you know, the trans in the bathroom uh, ongoing focus on this one issue last legislature. I mean, yes, I'm being affected. Yes, my friends are being affected. But what about all these other things that are getting neglected? Like, why doesn't anyone care about what all these other, like, teachers and flooding? Uh, school and, and health care, you, you know, know like, I, mean? I I was telling everyone, like, you know, you, <laughs> you don't know, need to care. Those. You don't need to care about us. Just care about why they're not handling your business. Like, that'll work, too. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, when they get you know? when they get all of that fixed, then okay, if you want to talk yeah. about it, fine. That, that yeah. you know, yeah, you would, you would think <laughs> we don't always want to be the hot topic. We, we want to spend our our time and our resources and our energy on you know stuff like floods and children in schools and you, you mean yeah. the things and, that and, we actually women, need to work on women dying in childbirth I yeah mean, you know stuff like that to yeah. me seems kind of important there's not really a shortage of youth going and yelling at our governor to not be shot at so i'm glad that you know some people are actually finally like listening and talking to them and and being there for them yeah, so absolutely. like that is that is something that will not get a lot of press but it is something that happens like the youth are it, trying to be heard they were heard then there was we talked about the school safety package. Right. A lot of that had to do with exactly that. Yeah. And uh, the speaker, Dr. Bon, uh, sorry, the speaker was um, Dennis Bonin. The speaker's brother, Dr. Greg Bonin, that uh, school that was shot up here in Texas. Is Santa in Fe. His, Santa Fe is in his district. Yep. And so he brought this school safety omnibus package that included, yeah. ended up included uh, the mental health part and certain aspects of schools that, sensibilities and design that make them less susceptible to that and you know Mm -hmm. preparing uh i think my i had a bill on um on active shooter training Uh for uh for law enforcement and school administration so they do a, a sensible way of preparation for this good um so i mean i advocate for gun safety stuff too for sensible gun safety background checks and all that jazz but while we got hundreds of millions of guns in the country you if you fail to prepare your schools for or your that, businesses yeah. or your right. you know group you activities have to be prepared for that possibility right. otherwise more people die than would right 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 well thank you for doing that okay so uh, one event i want to mention i mean are we going to talk about the one where he gets to show up again I don't know if he's showing up. I think he's showing up. Well, he better. I I mean, (laughs) hopefully he'll show up. He's opening it. Yeah, if you invited me to speak, I'll show up. (laughs) Okay, well, we invited you to speak. But remember, doesn't it like start with him? (laughs) I I was a sponsor last time. We probably invited you. You you did, and we sent you an invite to buy another one too. I'll just tell you. (laughs) We have no problem accepting money. (laughs) That's good, and I have no trouble sponsoring. You know, in this thing, and and, uh, I think we I partnered with uh, with. With another representative last time, we probably will again. Neat. All well, sounds good. We are talking about the Houston Transgender Unity Banquet. This is banquet. our 27th annual 27. Uh, Unity Banquet. This is not our first rodeo. <laughs> no, it's the 27th. No, but it, it's, it still is just as hard and confusing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is September 21st, which is a Saturday. Yep. And this year is going to be at the Sheraton North Houston out by the airport and if you want to go to our website it's unitybanquet.com mm-hmm. you can buy tickets you can fly in you can sponsor seats and you don't even have to go you could just buy seats for other people yeah, we'd rather people. you go because we like to see you i mean we'd like to see you and i i mean it's gonna be a great time if you refuse to be there then that's your right and some people are introverted and have other things to do multiple events on the same night we understand but we still love you and your contributions go to things like the Pride Parade, uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance, uh, educational scholarships that wouldn't usually be given to anybody else. Nope. They give people a shot to get off their feet and, and, this, and then to keep in the door once they get there. Right. They, this last year, uh, we commit to give at least one scholarship. You know, this last year, we gave seven. We may give a few more before the banquet. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the applications, etc. Oh, that's great stuff. Yeah. We had a great time there last year. Yeah, really I was going to say, it. and it's fun. It's fun. We had so much fun. It's fun. And there's fun. It's festive. It's a you know strange mix of people, and it always works. <laughs> it's very strange, but I love it. I love all of it. It's really different than the Pride Parade. It's like a different uh, event altogether, yeah. and and uh, a different feeling, a different set of people i would say definitely but just you're you're making memories in a different way you're sharing a social yeah. time it's not some like uh you know boring when is this gonna end my chicken's cold sort of <laughs> gala <laughs> well, there, like, there are times that it may get there but usually our speakers keep it running right and and uh and, and you know it, it's a very That's mainstream a event also which a lot of people are mm-hmm. surprised at yeah we like to get dressed up but you don't have to no nope, we 
you know, basically it's a formal banquet, but we like everybody, however they decide to show up. Yep. So sponsorship levels start off at 250. Uh, regular seats that are not reserved start off at what? 90, 95 for reserved and go to the website to look at the non-reserved. Yeah. That, I always get the price wrong on those. But, yeah. but we but have sponsorships for all levels. People think, people think well, entry's got to be like really out of my range. So I like to bring that up. Like it's actually pretty approachable. And if you're like, well, I can't really afford that, we always like volunteers. Yeah. And like I said, there are people that are nice enough to sponsor people who can't otherwise pay for it. So that's really amazing. We, we had so many people ask us to do that last year that we created a button on our website for people to buy those tickets. Oh, cool. So yeah, that's nice. really great. Okay. Any other events we know about? I don't know of any others. Q-Fest is coming up next week. I don't know if this will be out in time for it to If it's not, that'll be edited out, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, We we love Kristen. We miss Kristen. Um, We should brag about our Patreon, like Kristen would. Oh, yeah, we forgot the Patreon stuff. We can't forget about Patreon. But, you know, basically, if you go to the Trans Advocate website, there's a a link to Patreon. Uh, We love dollars. We love $10. We love $50. We love you. We love your sharing. We love your rating, our podcast. That's great. And we do one-time contributions mostly. A few people have done it like monthly. Yep. And, you know, that's what actually pays for our writers and everything else that we have to pay money for. Yep. So thanks. Thanks very much. (laughs) Bye. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote, no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America. And just for your information, Robin, if you look over there, we have a Chris. Kristen's shield if she comes back. Okay, good. Kristen, when she talks, creates a lot of sound pressure. We have to keep turning it down and down and down. And it overwhelms the other mics. And so, you know, she's like, well, maybe we can get a shield. And one of our uh, people that we buy things from has this thing called Stupid Deal of the Day. And we give like 80 or 90% off of something. And it came up on that. And I'm like, okay, nice. instead of $150, it's $21. I'm nice. buying one. Let's get one of nice. those. I should have actually bought two or three. Yeah, I, I was just nice. thinking. Maybe you should have got two. Yeah, so, wow. so, so I was reading that you basically. Like <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Just go ahead. <laughs> the, 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 they decided you were like freshman of the year. Oh, yes. So what is this that's, about? This that's something that went really well for me Less personally. Injury. <laughs> Less injuries and more trophies. I'm a millennial. I want a trophy for everything. Yeah. <laughs>